The Pathways Program, a 10-year-old program to get young talent into the government, is about to get an overhaul. The Office of Personnel Management has proposed a list of reforms to diversify the interns, recent graduates, and presidential management fellows. The government takes in each year. Federal News Network's Drew Friedman has the details. And, Drew, it looks like this is in line with that whole idea of not necessarily having a college degree for every federal job, but just experiences and technical education now coming over to Pathways. Tell us more about these new eligibility proposals. That's exactly right, Tom. This is at least in part a focus on this larger shift that we've seen towards skills-based hiring, both in the government and just more generally in the workforce. So part of OPM's new proposed regulations would expand eligibility specifically for the recent graduates part of the Pathways program. The Pathways program has three different sections. You have interns, recent graduates, and presidential management fellows. But for the recent graduates program, those who were involved in the Peace Corps, AmeriCorps, Job Corps, or registered apprenticeship program under OPM's proposal would also be alternatively eligible for the Pathways program. The end goal here of at least that part of the regulations is to make the program more inclusive, bring in more diverse candidates on the front end, and of course, just have that greater focus on maybe those who don't have a college sure. degree, but would still be qualified for the position. And would people who volunteered in some manner similar to, say, the Peace Corps or AmeriCorps, but not federal programs, would they also be eligible? So under the proposed regulations, it only lays out those couple of examples in federal programs. But OPM is asking for comments or feedback on, you know, are there other programs that could be included in that new expanded eligibility? So as of now, no, but it's something that they're looking for more feedback on as these regulations are open to public comment. Right. And on the recent graduate side, then they could be graduates of technical education now under these rules if, if they go through. Right. Yes, that is one of the areas there. And it's it's just generally looking to expand the program to include more applicants on the front end. Sure. And then there are proposals about how agencies can convert pathways to full-time fed, which I think is probably the goal of people coming in, most of them anyway. What are some of the changes OPM would like to do there? So looking specifically at the internship part of the Pathways program, Interns who are hired through Pathways are required to log 640 hours during Pathways, during their time with Pathways, to be able to qualify for a full-time federal position. Those hours generally have to come from work specifically in the Pathways program, but now OPM is saying that half of those hours could come from time that an intern spends either in a registered apprenticeship program or in the Job Corps. So just offering some flexibility there to count towards those hours. In addition to that, agencies would also have more time to convert Pathways participants into full-time employees. So currently, agencies have 120 days to convert those positions. These proposed regulations would give them 180 days, so about six months. The idea there is just because sometimes background investigations or vetting processes can take a long time. Sometimes it exceeds that 120-day limit, so this is just a way to give Pathways program participants a little bit more flexibility of getting into those full-time positions, which, of course, is one of the one of the goals of the program here. And agencies that want to take in people one way or the other here, do they have to do anything different under these proposals? There are a couple of different changes here for agencies as well. For one, the way that agencies set up the Pathways program is changing, so typically to be able to use 
pathways as a hiring authority. They have to establish an MOU or a memorandum of understanding with OPM before they can actually get started in hiring. This would kind of change that around. So those who are interested in adding pathways as a flexibility or as a program within their agency, they would just have to set their own policy for it before they begin using pathways. The idea there is to just make it a little bit easier on the front end to actually get that program up and started. In addition to that, each agency would, under the proposed regulations, be required to hire a PMF coordinator, so a Presidential Management Fellows Coordinator, if they don't already have one. OPM said essentially there's some differences in the way that agencies view that position, but this would help to streamline or make it more consistent across different agencies. So each agency would have to hire someone, whether they have someone or not, or it's converting a role to someone at the GS-12 level working at agency headquarters, just, just with the goal of kind of clarifying that position overall. Got it. And just as an aside, agencies like the State Department that have several internship programs, are these new OPM regulations for the programs we're talking about maybe be considered a model for other internship programs, such as those at state and other agencies? That's a good question. This, of course, applies just to Pathways programs, but it's something that, you know, we have seen a broader shift in government towards at least some of this goals towards DEIA, towards skills-based hiring, all that sort of thing. So yes, I could see, you know, down the line, it's possible that agencies might think about that as well. These things have a way of spreading throughout the government very often. And what is OPM's overall goal here, really? What are they trying to do in the big sense? The idea is to make this a better experience on all fronts. So from the applicant perspective, those who are interested in pathways in the first place, those who actually take part in the program, they're hoping to develop some more opportunities for participants to you know, just get get the best experience they can out of Pathways. And then also streamlining the way that agencies are able to permanently hire Pathways. And one of those that I actually didn't mention was that Pathways programs participants could convert from one agency to another when converting to a full-time role now under these new proposed regulations. So this is kind of one area where OPM was looking to say, hey, these these regulations are 10 years old. It doesn't really reflect OPM's current values or the administration's current values on how they're trying to hire for the government. This is one step they're trying to take to make that a little bit more aligned. Now, these are proposed rules under formal rulemaking. So what comes next? So there's going to be a 45-day comment period. It's a little bit shorter than usual just because they're planning to implement this in time for agencies to be able to use it for next summer's cohort of Pathways program participants. They're looking specifically, one, as I mentioned, for feedback on are there other technical requirements or certifications that can help candidates be considered eligible for the program? They're also looking for feedback on the job conversion process. And are there other programs as well for interns to use as alternative hours to count towards their hours in Pathways? So a lot to take in here. Federal News Network's Drew Friedman, thanks so much. Thank you. And be sure to check out her comprehensive story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Everett Kelly, National President of the American Federation of Government Employees, joined Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to share how his upbringing in rural Alabama eventually propelled him to the forefront of thousands of union members raising a collective voice. After years of leadership with both the largest federal employee union and as a pastor, Everett Kelly reflects on his deep-rooted values of integrity and hard work. Hello. 
and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today I'm joined by Mr. Everett Kelly, National President of the American Federation of Government Employees. Everett, welcome and thank you for being here. Shane, thank you. It's a pleasure. It's mine. You first joined AFGE in 1981 during what eventually became your 30 years of service at Anniston Army Depot. We're now more than 40 years past 1981, and you've been the union's national president since 2020. How's your decades-long involvement with AFGE impacted the way you view your role now as the union's leader? The time that I spent as local president, I simultaneously spent that same time as a pastor in Alabama. I like to say that this was my training ground because as I was entering into the role of unionism, I was also entering into ministry. And so I see my role, even as the union leader, as ministry. It's never an understatement because this is what I believe. I believe that if you love people and show people that you love them, people will follow you. My business is in the business of growing people. Uh, and that's what I do. And I, and I think that my training as a pastor and as a union uh, leader has given me the ability to really, you know, uh, grow people because I feel like that, you know, it's my responsibility both as a union leader and as a pastor to ensure that people have a livable wage. It's also uh, my responsibility to ensure that people are treated fair with dignity and respect on the job. And I think that goes in both uh, arena. So, so I've seen this, you know, as ministry, as I've grown through the four decades of leading people. Putting those two together is amazing. AFGE handles a massive array of issues and topics of importance to feds across many departments and agencies. What is it like being at the forefront of all those moving parts and how do you manage it all? Well, first of all, let me give kudos to my staff. Okay. Uh, because it's just no way that I could manage all of this work and all the moving parts by myself. But I have an excellent staff that always makes sure that I'm prepared and that I'm ready. But it's exciting. It's exciting to be out in the forefront, you know, uh, bringing people to the realization that they have something to fight for. But again, I cannot and please understand, when I say I cannot, it's, it's, it's what I truly believe. I cannot do it without a good, strong staff. Uh, and I tell anybody that, but I enjoy fighting for the cause. I enjoy standing in front of a group of AFG members, calling them to action, and then standing back and watching that action come to fruition. Because I know that I'm not the one that's doing it. Okay? They are the one that's doing it. I'm merely casting a vision. Right. And I enjoy casting a vision and then watching a vision come to fruition. And it's the staff and the members that get that done. As CEO at, at WEPA, I completely and totally understand that we rely on them. It's not Absolutely. just nice to have. We rely on. Absolutely. Them. As AFGE president, you often speak at union rallies and other events widely attended by federal employees. What's it like to experience that direct connection to employees? And how does that influence your leadership style? You know, that gets me excited, okay? To be standing in front of a group of AFGE leaders get me excited. To hear the words, who are we? 
And the chants that come back that says AFGE gets me excited. It gets my motor uh, running, if you will. And it's exciting to look at them and see the motivation in their faces when they're fighting for a cause. And, and, and all of us come together and fight uh, in solidarity, fight as one, raise one voice. You can't explain the feeling. You just know that it's right. You know, I just know that it's right when I'm standing there and I feel this. And I never fail to say thank you again because I'm the one that merely cast the vision. They are the ones that get the work done. And so when I see them out there ready to go and that call to action goes out, and then I see them really begin to march on that uh, initiative. It's an energy that I cannot explain. I can explain it. I'm feeling it right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> d- describe how your personal background and upbringing folds into how you function as a leader. You know, understanding that I was born in the Deep South. I was born in a little small town in Goodwater, Alabama, population 1,292 today. Born to parents that, and I hope I don't offend anybody, and I've got to quit saying this, but, but I was born to a set of parents that believed and trusted in God. And that began to establish who I was. I began to trust God myself in everything that I do. I, I trust God even in this situation as a union leader, because my parents taught me to believe in uh, the Bible. And with that came, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. In other words, treat people right. Treat people with respect, right? Do what's right. It taught me, you know, about integrity, right? It taught me about being honest, you know, and that's what's needed in the role of a leader of this union. it's, It's needed uh, and, you know, I try to portray that. I try to portray a person of honesty and a person of integrity. And so being in the Deep South, you know, you, you, you just learn those things. And that's what has helped me uh, throughout my path as a union leader. And it's always nice, that whole approach, because you don't have multiple approaches with different people or different sets of different tasks, different energy. It's it's always straightforward, yes. honest. Here's the truth. Yes. And it's it's easy. Yes. Right? Yes. It's a lot easier than having multiple personas. Absolutely. You, yeah. Absolutely. What's one piece of advice if you could go back and tell yourself when you were starting your career? You know, I don't know you asked for one, but I'm I'm going to have to elaborate on two. Yeah, if that's yeah. okay. Number one, I would explain the urgency of integrity a lot sooner than what I did, right? Because to me, Integrity is not necessarily what you see others do or what others see you do, but integrity to me is what you do even when no one is looking. And so I, I would really begin to stress that importance more so at an earlier state in my leadership role rather than the latter part. Okay, I begin to stress that more now, but I wish I had began to do that more at the earlier states in my uh, role. Secondly, I would tell myself to always, and I'm going back to my roots, always work hard and don't ever accept no as an answer, right? Because I just believe that if you want it bad enough, if you want to achieve it, you can. It's all about the amount of work you put into it, right? And the and the amount of faith you have that it can be accomplished. So 
when I look at AFGE and its membership and where we were four or five years ago and where we are today, that's a reminder that you can do whatever you want to do if you put your mind to it and work hard enough. And one question that's always kind of interesting at, at the end of our time together is, is there one person, you mentioned your parents before, mm-hmm. um, is there one person or maybe more than one who really inspired you when you were younger that you might even think back on today? It was my grandmother, you know, with the understanding that when and when I was born, right, as I said, I was born in the Deep South. My father worked extremely hard. We didn't have a whole lot. You know, my, I had 12 siblings. And so when I was born, I was very sick. As a matter of fact, the doctor said I wouldn't live to be 16 years old. The doctor said I wouldn't ever hold a job. But my grandmother would always teach me how to pray. And she taught me about faith. And it is prayer and faith that has allowed me to be standing here today. Suppose I've been dead 50 years ago, but I'm 66 years old now. And it's all because of my faith and my belief and my prayer life. And I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Amazing story. Thank you for sharing all of it with us, Everett. And really appreciate you being on the show today. Pleasure is mine. And this is Shane Canfield. We'll see you next time on Lessons in Leadership. Find the full podcast and future episodes of Lessons in Leadership on the Federal News Network app and anywhere you enjoy your podcasts.